From Yahoo Finance, this is Ballots and Dollars, a podcast about the politics that affect your pocketbook. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophorus. Today, we are talking about whether the public sector can do it better than the private sector when it comes to things like health care and climate change. It was a theme that emerged, Rick, from the first set of Democratic debates that we saw. And let's really dig in here. And I guess let's let's start with health care, which is really sort of, uh, I, I would argue, the biggest topic, right? When you when you survey Americans, health care is right at the top of what they're what they're concerned about. The, the argument that a lot of the Democrats put forth in these debates was, if you hand over the health care system to the government, we will do a better job for the American people than if it's in the hands of the private sector. First off, do you agree with that statement? I don't inherently agree with that statement. Um, and I felt like uh, the Democrats in the first set of debates were, uh, they never talked about it this way, but they were basically arguing about the profit motive. Uh, you know, the force in capitalism that makes capitalism what it is and, for, you know, drives companies to be efficient and get the most for the least. So we heard uh, Elizabeth Warren talk about this, Bernie Sanders talk about this, uh, and healthcare was a big topic in those debates as it should be, because it's a big issue for voters. Uh, and you you sort of had this easy throwaway line that, uh, well, the problem with the healthcare system as we have it is that the uh, companies that are in the private healthcare system make a profit. And I think there was a should figure at a one point. I think I think Elizabeth Warren said a $23 billion profit, as if that's the, a terrible thing, because that's $23 billion that should instead be spent on uh, patients and on providing care. And there's this idea that if you just rolled everything into a government program, well, what would otherwise be profit in the private sector would be extra money, found money in the in a public program, and you'd have all of that extra money to spend on patients. Except that's not how it works. Right, that's I mean, not how it works. The word profit is a dirty word, I guess. So well, then, it, all right, if it sh- and it shouldn't be. If they want to take this money, these profits, these dirty profits that these horrible healthcare companies are taking, and do something with them. They're telling us it would go back into what drug making and back to consumers in what way? Well, they're not spelling it out, but they're basically saying uh, what would otherwise be profits. Uh, we're, in other words, we're going to have the same amount of, I guess, revenue coming into the public program hmm. uh, through. You know, again, this is all fuzzy because there are different ideas about how you fund all of this, uh, and we'll be, you know, we'll sort of everything will be the same except there. What would otherwise be profits would be money that we can spend on patients and on patient care, and I think that's a total fallacy. So to get back to go back to basics here, uh, I mean, it is a fair question: um, Should we have the profit motive in something as important as healthcare? That, that that is a totally fair question, uh, but I don't think you should assume the answer is no. And what we know about the profit motive and the way private companies operate is they there is when you have a profit motive, you have an incentive to uh, provide the service or the good as efficiently as possible. That doesn't mean you're ripping off the consumer. That means you are figuring out how to take cost. Uh, unnecessary cost out of the system, uh, eliminate middlemen in terms of providing that service to the end user. Now, people are probably listening and say, what are you talking about? The healthcare system is just filled with middlemen. Mm-hmm. And I readily acknowledge it is a we have a very, very complicated system. Uh, but if you think that the government is naturally the solution and that it would somehow all be simpler if this were in the uh, public sector. Think about the postal service. Uh, oh you know, boy, <laughs> um, that <laughs> that's is, been a debacle. That is the closest thing we have 
to a company that is run by the government. And uh, the Postal Service loses money every – I'm, I'm actually a fan of the Postal Service. I mean I, I, I think it's too easy to bash the Postal Service. I mean the Postal Service can deliver a letter to any address in the country in a couple of days. Yeah, but I mean they have for not, less than a buck. I agree with you. I mean, but that, they that is, haven't changed with the times. The internet is killing them right. and they haven't – and they're a dinosaur. Right. And the government hasn't done anything in the way of keeping them – you know, uh, relevant. Right. And then the other example people like to th- throw out is think about the Department of Motor Vehicles. That, that is not exactly, that's a government agency. That's not really something like a company, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I like the Postal Service as a, a model. But so th- there are reasons the Postal Service is um, not, doesn't keep up and is inefficient in certain ways. And it never makes, it always loses money and needs to get extra appropriations from Congress. One of the big problems mm-hmm. is political interference. And this is a really good re- a reason not to have services offered it through the government because with regard to the Postal Service, uh, no, no member of Congress will almost ever allow the Postal Service to close a post office in their district, even if it only serves four people a day. Right, so, right. So, uh, you know, you, you, you cannot get rid of the underperforming part of the business. Uh, you don't have freedom to um, – revamp the business when you need to. Uh, They're just you know, not nimble. The government, a, by definition, is just not a nimble organization. That's correct. And you need that, especially if you're going to take on something as massive as overhauling health care right. for this country. So I think it's, to go back to the health care system, I think it's unknowable um, whether whether we would be better off with for-profit companies providing the level of care that they do. They're not the only show in town. I mean, obviously, uh, Medicare is a big part of the system. So is Medicaid. But let's remember, the doctors don't work for the government in Medicare and Medicaid. They work for private providers uh, that and Medicare ba- and Medicaid basically contracts with those providers and covers the, some of the costs. Um, but for the private part of the system, uh, I think we should assume that the the private healthcare system actually does a good job of getting rid of unnecessary costs. And if their business model is not working because technology has changed or something has changed, the board of United Health or Aetna or CVS or whatever the company is uh, gets together and says, we need to make changes. I mean, they can just do that because that's what companies do. They are run by CEOs who get paid a lot of money to, yes, make sure the company is profitable, but also make sure the company is doing what its customers want. And there is choice in the healthcare system. Uh, you know, our employer, Verizon, is a customer of insurance companies. Right. And if Verizon doesn't think it's getting a good deal from whatever insurance, it can go to the next guy and say, uh, we, we think you can offer us a better deal. So in that regard, you know, these much vilified, terrible insurance companies, they do, they are responsible to customers and they can move quickly in order to give their customers what they want. And I think it would be a big mistake to assume that the government would be able to do that better. And I know transparency is a huge deal and you know, President Trump recently signed an order basically telling these companies, you better start letting us see how you price your drugs, why they're priced the way they are. And and Senator Warren has actually thrown out the idea of the government. Is it making the drugs ourselves? Yes. <laughs> Which sounds a little scary to me. T- talk to us about well, that. Well, that's two different things. So what uh, the tr- Trump wants to do, and he's kind of on the right track. 
But I just I, I doubt he's going to get anywhere with this. Um, this has been tried at the state level and it's complicated. But uh, you know, people, who, the economists who study the healthcare system say, um, look, one of the problems is nobody knows what anything costs. Uh, so if you're a normal consumer, it's impossible to figure out where you're going to get the best deal. Uh, let's say it's something that's not life, you know, urgent and life threatening. Let's say it's uh, some kind of test or an MRI or even just an X-ray. Hmm. Um, you have no idea what anything, what anybody charges. It, you can't look it up on a web website or anything. And the idea is that if you uh, made uh, the cost of these things transparent the way you can see what anything costs at Amazon or Walmart, for example, people would, you know, spend the least for the most. It's just not that simple because of all the way these things get priced. There's not, um, there's not like a market price for a lot of this stuff. These are negotiated and I prices. Think we're, I'm frustrated as a consumer. I recently had to have get a topical and the pharmacist told me, oh, that's $800. And when I picked myself up off the floor, I said, but you don't mean I'm paying for that, right? Isn't the insurance company? And you know what? He found a coupon from where I do not know that left my out-of-pocket cost at zero. Wow. Something's wrong with that picture. I'm Something's glad I didn't totally have wrong to pay. With that picture. But how do you go from something being a list price of $800 to then me not having to pay anything? I, nobody knows. There's no transparency. Nobody knows. Right. Uh, and, you know, just try this trick. Um, next time you, you have to go for some uh, procedure, you know, routine procedure or something, uh, call the doctor up ahead of time and say, how much will this cost if I don't declare it on my insurance? Um, they, they can't tell you. I did this once with a dermatologist. <laughs> my gosh. And the answer was, we can't tell you until after the visit. When we oh, no. put it in the computer, yeah. and then the computer will tell it us how much. It just sounds creepy. So th it's, an, it's a known problem. So that's, <clears throat> that's, that's one thing. But to go to Elizabeth Warren's idea, yeah, one of her ideas is that the government should actually manufacture generic drugs. Uh, Redoomed. When, when in certain categories, not across the board, but in certain categories when there is not uh, there's not more generic, than one okay. affordable generic on the market. And there are, well, like there the are a idea. lot of categories like that. I like the idea. Maybe you incentivize a private company to do that, the companies that actually know how to make the drugs. Uh, th so that is kind of mm -hmm. what I'm getting at here. Uh, th so we have different ways of approaching this problem. So let's go with her idea that the government should get into the manufacture of these drugs. Okay, well, the first thing I envision happening is a huge battle in Congress over uh, which members of Congress are going to get the factories in their district and in their <laughs> right, state. Right. <laughs> and all the battling that's going to go on there. Um, and, you know, there will be, a, you know, a handful of winners. Uh, you know, let's say the government develops four places where there are – goes and buys them. Uh, I mean, there are going to be all kinds of considerations about who gets those in their district that have nothing to do with the efficiency of manufacturing those drugs. Yeah, again, that's, politics so that right gets there, in the right. way. Right. So, you know, if you were to frame it this way – would you rather um, – It's a trade. let's say it's a trade-off between the political inter interference that is inevitable with right. anything that has to go through Congress and the profit motive. Pick your poison. I, I think that's a pretty good case for the profit motive. And who's to say the government would be all that transparent? They haven't exactly been right. in a lot of other ways, exactly right? right? So, all right, we, we tackled health care a little bit. I mean, we can go on and on and have – hours and hours of a discussion on this, but I want to get to climate change. We will. I think we will, but anyway, We, we right. will. Well, ballots and dollars will be going on and on and on up to the November 2020 election. But talk to me about climate change. What were some of the ideas put forth by some of these Democratic candidates about taking it away from the private sector? Yeah. So this is another big area. Um, very important. It is a big issue for more for Democrats, I think, than for Republicans. But climate change, for sure, is something that we're going to be hearing a lot about. Uh, so uh, there are two basic strands of thinking here. One leans toward the Green New Deal, which is this uh, just gigantic 
government program that would uh, do all this new research. It would um, kind of direct the automotive industry about what kinds of vehicles to produce. It would do the same thing with energy. Uh, basically, a real heavy government hand in um, every industry that in some way has to do with climate. So that is mostly uh, transportation and energy, but also home building, solar, real estate construction. Solar companies. Yeah. So, you know, new rules on how to build homes and telling you how to do it and funding this research and stuff like that. So that's that's the Green New Deal. That is one approach, which is just have the government do it all. And then the more market-oriented approach is don't have the government do it all, but use something like a carbon tax, which is a, a government rule or a government incentive for uh, private industry to figure out how to meet targets as efficiently as possible. Okay. That, to me, is a better idea. Right. So, so it would take some of the best of the new Green Deal and form something else, would you say? Or no, no it's so not different even, from that. Not okay. even. I think they're very different. And, and of course, um, you could have a, a spectrum of programs that incorporate some of all of this. Mm -hmm. But um, the there's you know there have been carbon taxes uh, put in place in Europe and other places. And the, the way this works is the government does have a role. The government says, um, we're going to uh, put a price on carbon emissions. So every entity that uh, generates some kind of carbon, you're going to have to pay to do that. Um, and the cost of that, one, one of the ways you would do this is phase it in over time so that the cost isn't crippling at the beginning, but mm -hmm. it gets higher and higher and higher. And everybody knows the cost is going to get higher and they know when the cost is going to get higher. So uh, and then you can trade uh, pollution credits. Um, so if you uh, need to buy credits because you pollute more, you can choose to do that. Let's say you're a power utility. Um, you can, uh, if you are more efficient than the market average, you can sell credits. If you're less efficient, you can buy credits. And then you have to explain to your customers On why, face, it sounds why you're paying more. Uh -huh. And because if when this is kind of an open market, um, the all the polluters decide. Um, they make yeah. they make choices. They say. Uh, it's it's better for me to uh, spend the money to cut back on emissions uh, than to buy the credits. And as the cost of the credits goes up over time, you're going to get fewer. You're going to get lower and lower emissions. Um, this is kind of how we solved the acid rain problem in the 1970s and 1980s. Um, you just continually raise the cost of uh, the pollution and let the market figure right. out Since it's the best way, the most efficient way. To get that done, yeah, it becomes so, too expensive and onerous for them to not comply. So they'll find right. a way to comply. So it's not perfect. Nothing's perfect here, mm -hmm. and um, you can point to abuses or inefficiencies in any system. Um, but people who say just the private market has failed to do these things, let's just let the government do it. I think one thing they have very wrong is that. Um, it's not the private market that has failed. The government has never created the incentives for the private market to get it done or for private industry to get well, it I'm done. I'm sure they'd agree with so you. So I think probably before, you know, the, the, in these big things we're talking about, the government should probably be the last resort after you have exhausted all other things. And we have not exhausted all other things but yet. But doesn't this give President Trump more ammunition when he's going to broad stroke paint the Democrats as socialists as we move closer to Election Day? Yes. With ideas and I, like and these. I, and I think that's why you're hearing some Democrats pushing back on uh, the, you know, these ideas where you're just going to have the government um, step in to solve every problem. I mean, you're hearing John Hickenlooper, the former 
governor of Colorado. Who you spoke to, right? He pushes back on this, yes. Uh, and he, he is. He actually said in in his debate, you know, we can't let them uh, characterize us as socialist. Uh, Michael Bennett, who's the senator from Colorado. Uh, is pushing back on this. Tim Ryan, these these tend to be the lesser known candidates. And then you've got Joe Biden, who I, I think we're kind of waiting. We generally considered a business friendly centrist, but he seems to realize he needs to move to the left on some issues. And we're, I think we're kind of waiting to see how far on the left he's going to move and whether he's really going to become, you know, become forceful on some of these issues or whether he's going to vacillate and not really endorse one program or another. Who do you think – I mean it's still the very early going and it's still a very, very crowded race. Is there a, a front runner for you when it comes to health care, somebody who has a plan that could actually be feasible on some level? There, uh, Yeah, there are a few. And, uh, you know, you know, I've talked about this. Medicare for all is not a pragmatic right, solution to me. Uh, Michael Bennett, the senator from Colorado, uh, he sponsors legislation in Congress call, uh, that would create a plan called Medicare X. Uh, so this would be a new – uh, public health care plan for people who don't get coverage they can afford through an employer or some other means. And it would not be Medicare, but it would be uh, administered by the same agency that runs Medicare. So you'd get to take advantage of that overhead. Who would and, fund it, did he say? Uh, yeah, the, u- the users would fund it. Um, okay. You would pay premiums um, to be part of this program. Um, so it, no new taxes. Um, and because the buying pool would be large and you'd get to take advantage of Medicare's overhead, which is already there in theory. And I think it's a pretty good theory. You'd have cheaper premiums. Probably. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For then then uh, people who don't, just don't have good choices. Um, you know, one other way this this sort of discussion, this background discussion about the profit motive is manifesting itself is uh, the argument over companies that don't pay enough in taxes. Um, so Amazon has now become the poster child for yes. this. And now, we don't really know exactly what Amazon pays in taxes. Uh, this, is, this has been kind of an inference that's been done by some interest groups that are running through the numbers and, you know, trying to figure it out. Who actually believe Amazon paid no, ta- no money yeah, in taxes. Yeah, that's right, <clears throat> um, which is possible. Um, but the re- Amazon if, – if Amazon's tax bill is – and by the way, they do pay – all those payroll taxes, right, you know, right. that fund Social Security and Medicare, just like their employees pay those taxes. But if Amazon's federal tax bill in 2018 really was zero, it's not because Amazon is cheating. Right. It's These because legally, Amazon legally doing is taking advantage of legal provisions in the tax code that are meant to incentivize things like research, like investment. You know, it, when, you, are, when you when you when you invest. They? When you yes, HQ two. I mean, am, okay, so, am, I mean they so are Amazon investing, has grown creating jobs. from a one-person company in 1995 to a company that employs 600,000 people right now. Right. So that's what the tax code is trying to do. That that's the point of those incentives in the tax code. So get your story straight, Washington. Um, if you uh, if you want incentives in the tax code that will help uh, inculcate small companies so that they can grow and become larger companies, then stop complaining when that works. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, there can't be a period at the end of the sentence when you say Amazon didn't pay any federal taxes. Boom. You need to explain the the other things they're doing that are all legal, that are actually creating opportunities. So if, uh, if there is some flaw in the tax code, then fix the tax code. 
Right. Amazon. I mean, well, it's not Amazon's fault a, that they're or, or any company. I mean, so that I think for companies that are you know move profits offshore right. uh, and use weird tax havens in Bermuda or whatever, and that's probably not too many public companies, but I think probably a, a lot of pri- probably a lot of private companies right. do stuff like that. I, that's that's kind of a if you're if you're creating overseas tax havens, uh, you know, or things like corporate inversions, technically legal, but um, shady. And just don't kind of don't feel right. We know, you know Congress works at a snail's pace, moves at a snail's pace with anything. And and during these debates, at least the first round, they were asked to very succinctly say what their number one thing would be if they can get one thing done and during not, their not, administration. And, and, not, and hardly not any of them, of them were succinct. About- no, that's very true, too. <laughs> that drove me crazy. Yeah. It's like, no, answer the question in five seconds. And every every goddamn one of them just went on for, oh, an, you know. Because they think they're the exception. Don't I get 25 Don't get me, don't get me started. To, I hear you. But I'm wondering whether or not they would even bother to change the tax code. Apparently, a lot of them answered climate change as their number one thing that they would actually tackle and think that they could get done during their administration. Well, a lot of the Democrats will – they do have higher taxes in their plan. Uh, but main, it's not higher taxes for the sake of higher taxes. It's usually to fund some uh, uh, some new benefit program. And by the way, no, I don't think one of them says we need to raise taxes just to bring in more federal revenue to lower the federal uh, deficit. Yeah, uh, we didn't hear that. And and t- attack the uh, national debt. Nobody's nobody cares about that. Yeah. Yeah. So they so a lot of them do want to raise taxes in one way or another. And they, in general, those tax increases would be on wealthy people and businesses. Uh, and Bernie Sanders actually acknowledged that he would raise taxes on um, middle-class families. I mean, I'm glad he acknowledged yeah, that. Yeah, he has to pay for his Medicare for yeah, all at least somehow. It, I think he really kind of uh, ducked in 2016 yeah. when people asked him, well, how would you pay for this? And now he is at least saying, well, the way to pay for it is with higher taxes. But what you would pay in additional taxes, and he he these are probably back of the envelope figures, would be half mm. of what you're paying in health care expenses today. So, you'd be, you know, you'd, you'd all be better off in the bargain. Sounds like something for nothing. Yeah, I'm a little suspicious. Me, I, I think I, it, it, a little suspicious, even amongst uh, their colleagues up there at the podium uh, for, the, for these debates. All right, this is going to continue, but this debate of whether or not things should be private or, or public, and, and whose hands are they better off? And private prisons were even mentioned. Yeah, that's another one. And, and Cory Booker had a line uh, along along the lines of, uh, it, it's, it's just terrible that we have companies profiting on the pain of Americans. Um, and it's worth revisiting why we have private prisons. Now, there is certainly lobbying that goes on here and probably favors from lawmakers sure. uh, in the you know uh, who have prison these prisons in their district. Uh, by the way, if we could elib- uh, um, Elizabeth Warren wants to uh, put really strict restrictions on lobbying, and I I it, it's hard to argue with that mm-hmm. because there is basically legalized corruption in Washington with all the uh, lobbying and the members of Congress who retire and go straight to work at a lobbying. That's what firm it amounts like to, that. yeah. But uh, you know, th- there's a reason that we have private prisons. In theory, it's a decent one, and there's a. It's the same reason that the, in the '90s it was very uh, sort of popular to outsource all these government functions. I mean, Bill Clinton and Gore, uh, Al Gore had Rego reinventing government, mm. and, and part of part of that was just outsource whatever you can outsource to the private sector. Um, 
do it because they could demonstrate that you can lower the cost. Even when, even Very when, even when the what private Democrats sector, think now. even when the private sector is making a profit on it, they can do it cheaper than a government agency that has zero incentive to become more efficient. Um, so private prisons. The idea with private, you know, Senator Warren prisons, wants to ban them. That is the idea with private prisons is. Um, that the profit motive creates an incentive to run these prisons as efficiently as possible, um, and the and the private sector can do that better than the public sector. So, of course, what happens is they want to cut costs. Uh, they might be cutting costs in ways that are abusive to inmates. Um, but if you if you're worried about that, just set the rules that that tell you what they are allowed to do and what they are not allowed. And to penalize do. them if they so don't that, live by those yes, rules. Yes, that's right. And you know, make the make the penalties stiff. Well, I'll I mean, tell you what: three large banks, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America have caved to shareholder uh, and activism uh, activists out there who are who demanded that they no longer do business with these private detention centers and prisons. So we'll have to see if other banks follow suit. You know, that's also part of the private sector. I mean, that is shareholders. Uh, you know, that is our society and our economy working because shareholders want to express that point of view. I, I mean, it's to, to me, it's totally fair. Yeah. Um, that, Could also be an opportunity for the local banks. shareholders have a say. Yeah. Uh, and CEOs can either agree with their shareholders and do what they ask or or not do what they ask and uh, deal with the consequences of that. We're seeing it play out with Wayfair and, uh, you right. know, that is supplying beds to one of the agencies that houses uh, asylum seekers. Um, I don't actually know what the right answer is. Should, right. no, should nobody workers sell? Workers from Wayfair protested outside right. their so headquarters about this. Should no U.S. companies sell beds to those agencies? Right. Well, yes, according and, to some of these so senators, they can't, yes. So, so they, they, they can't buy can't beds? Survive. Should right. these agencies only buy beds from foreign companies? Yeah. Or should they not even provide beds for too these ma- too refugees? Too many of the ideas I'm hearing from these Democratic uh, candidates is all or nothing. You know, and I, I think uh, that's right. Yeah, not a lot of room for compromise. As always, the, cons- the, the conversation will continue. But for now, we want to thank everybody for listening to Ballads and Dollars from Yahoo Finance. You can follow us on Twitter at Alexis TV News and Rick J. Newman. All right. We will be back next week with another new episode. So in the meantime, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Is that the highest? Five? Yes, it is. Can you give six? Maybe they will. Find a way. Find a way.